0: let me give you a quick recap of the story that we've been looking at so far previously in the story of Joseph. Jacob had 12 sons and Joseph was his favorite. He made no attempt to hide this, even lavishing the gift of a fine coat upon him. This, along with the fact that Joseph kept having dreams which symbolized his brothers and father bowing down to him infuriated his brothers to the point that they sold him into slavery. As a slave, Joseph was bought by a man called Potiphar before his wife made up an allegation against Joseph and he was thrown into prison. While there, he was able to interpret some dreams that led him to interpret dreams for the Pharaoh, identifying a severe famine was coming that would last for seven years. Joseph was then placed in the highly important position of managing Egypt's preparation for the famine and then overseeing the distribution of Egypt food, such as grain, during the famine years. That famine reached beyond the borders of Egypt, and in Genesis chapter 42, we can read about Joseph's brothers having to travel to Egypt in order to buy grain so that the whole extended family could survive. Upon their arrival in Egypt, Joseph recognized them, but they did not recognize Joseph. They were given grain, but returned to their homeland, and father Jacob, another brother, died as Simeon was held prisoner in Egypt. His release would only come if the brothers took their youngest brother, Benjamin, and presented him before Joseph. The brothers returned to their father in Canaan with grain, but also with this news about Simeon. And now we read from Genesis chapter 43, starting in verse 1. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. Because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me? By telling the man you had another brother. They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know, he would say, bring your brother down here. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and double the amount of silver, and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph, and may God bless him to the end of his word. So this morning, as I said, we're continuing. Our and um, look through the story of Joseph. And I have called this sermon this morning Unbound from Your Mistakes. And I want to ask, first of all, how do you respond when you make a mistake? Do you try to hide it? If at first you don't succeed, destroy any evidence that you ever tried. <laughs> or maybe rather than hiding the mistake, do you try and hide yourself? Do you try to run away from it? Run away from the fallout or the consequences. Maybe you make a mistake and then just double down on it. Go all in. Get halfway through an argument, realize you were wrong, but keep fighting your corner until the other person just gives up and walks away. As a teacher, I'm a big fan of the deliberate mistake. (laughs) No! It's the wrong date well done for spotting that like, oh yeah that is spelled wrong well done for being the first person to know it. <laughs> as a parent as well your mistakes often get mirrored back to you by your children when you make a mistake how does it feel some mistakes you can laugh at but others sting a bit more mistakes can make you feel angry either with yourself or other people Sometimes in our household, when one of my own boys makes a mistake or starts to get frustrated, growls start to come, things start to get thrown, and I have to be honest, I maybe see a little bit of myself in that as well. Maybe mistakes fill you with self-doubt, or even self-loathing, regret, or shame. There might be a mistake that you've made that has cost you something valuable or damage their relationship with somebody, you might be sitting here right now thinking that there is a mistake that you have made that there is no coming back from. One of the reassuring things about the Bible is that it is full of people that make mistakes but are still part of God's kingdom plan, are still used for his purpose and for his word. Jesus' life on earth was spent surrounded by people made mistakes, yet he still blessed them, taught them, loved them, bestowed the Holy Spirit upon them. My hope this morning is that you know that whatever mistakes you have made in your life, whatever mistakes you might even be working through right now, God is not done with you. Jesus still wants to know you, and he wants you to know him, to trust in him, and to let him be your Lord and Savior. I want us to take a look at a couple of the people that feature in the passage we've just read, to think about the mistakes that they've made and what we might learn from them. First of all, Jacob, the patriarch, the head of the family. From this passage in the previous chapter, we can see that until Jacob decides that they should go to Egypt to get grain, no one goes to Egypt to get grain. Both times he is reluctant to send his son, Benjamin. But whereas the first time he could keep him at home, this time he needs to send him. As Judah reminds him, the man warned us Solomon, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. And there's more at stake. The passage that we read today doesn't mention it until later on, but their other brother, Simeon, is locked up in Egypt. Jacob refers to him as the other brother, which is probably a good thing Simeon wasn't there, just to hear himself being referred to as that. And Simeon is locked up in Egypt until the brothers return and present Benjamin to Joseph. But instead of considering this, Jacob just has his pity party. When they first tell him the news, he says, You have deprived me of my children, everything is against me. And in the passage we read today, why did you bring this trouble on me? By telling the man you had another brother. Jacob is clearly valuing this son, Benjamin, higher than any other. And Jacob, it seems, has not learned from his mistakes of the past. Whereas before he blatantly showed favoritism towards Joseph, he now displays that favoritism towards his youngest son, Benjamin. And this favoritism, was damaging to the relationships within the family. Back in Genesis 37, it says that when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Both Joseph and Benjamin were sons by Jacob's favoured wife, Rachel. Jacob's household was filled with favourites that caused distress, heartbreak, broken relationships. And it maybe shouldn't come as a surprise. Jacob himself was raised in a house of favorites with his mum Rebekah, favoring him while his father, Isaac, favored his brother, Esau. With Jacob and Rebekah even conspiring together to take Esau's birthright from him. Jacob is a man that is stuck repeating his mistakes and sometimes the most infuriating and debilitating mistakes are the ones that we know we've made before we find ourselves trapped in an almost groundhog day of mistakes and we can't see a way out we've tried our hardest to break the cycle done everything we can think of given up all our energy and the best effort we have but we still can't stop making the same mistake again and again. In Jacob's case here, it was showing favoritism to such an extent that it damaged the relationships around him, and maybe that is something that you can relate to. Or maybe your cycle of mistakes looks a bit different. Can't go out with having one drink too many. Can't be in stressful situations without erupting in anger or lashing out at the people around us. Can't scroll through your phone or flick through tv channels without seeking out or watching the wrong thing someone i know once said that the wandering thumb has superseded the wandering eye and it might not be in decent images it might just be coveting things that you're looking at on your phone other people's lives a bigger house more things that you can own it could be any number of addictions that have a hold and are dragging you through this sinful mistake cycle goes around and around. But again, I would say, God is not done with you. Jesus didn't come to redeem the perfect. He came to seek and to save the lost. When Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees about why he spent so much time with sinners, he replied that it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning, but trusting in him, that he died for your sins because he loves you and wants to save you from your sin, could be that first step, should be that first step in breaking through the power of that cycle of mistakes, that cycle of misery or frustration that you have found yourself in. Or maybe you feel like you do know Jesus, that you've been a Christian for a long time, but these mistakes keep coming around around. And maybe that it's something that you're guarding yourself, something that you're feeling, I need to defeat this before I can let Jesus work in this part of my life. But that's not how it works. You need to invite him in to that part of your life. And it might be that there are some practical steps that you need to take as well such as seeking professional help or support groups or even just making yourself accountable to other people. When I was at uni, I was able to get myself just about up out of bed on a Sunday morning and get there just in time to sit, no, normally at the back of the service and clear that time. But I was also able to go out during the week and drink too much. It was a problem. And maybe didn't look like a problem to other people. But if I wanted to be credible in my faith and in my walk with Jesus, then it was a big issue. Only by making myself accountable to other people was I able to break that cycle, that habit. I would text him before I went out. Hey, I'm going out with some friends. Please pray for me for good judgment and be prepared to challenge me on it the next time I see you. For me, it worked. It might not work for everyone, but maybe doing something practical like that, including surrounding yourself with Christians that are prepared to challenge you lovingly on these sorts of things, is something that you need to think about. God is not done with you. And there is nothing that you can do that would put you out of reach of the love of and power of Jesus. As I said before, you don't need to conquer these mistakes before you can come to him. Romans 5 verses eight and nine says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we had it all pooled together. And since we have now been justified by his blood, How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We can't earn our right relationship with God by fixing our own mistakes, but we can be made holy and acceptable to our Father God only by the sacrifice of his Son, Jesus Christ. And these mistakes we make are sin, and the only way that can be washed away is by the blood of Jesus. He paid the price for our sin, that none of us could pay by dying upon that cross. But not only did he die, but he rose again, defeating death. And it is that same power by the Holy Spirit that is in us today and means that we are free, unbound, and no longer slaves to our mistakes. Judah is an example of this. In this passage here, we see him almost as the voice of reason, reminding Jacob that they need to take Benjamin with them, going on to not only guarantee that he would look after him, but going further. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. At first appearances, this seems to be a really stark contrast to the offer of Reuben in the passage before then where upon finding out that Benjamin needs to go to Egypt Reuben says to his father you may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. That would have made for a really interesting dinner time if you've just been offered <laughs> as not yourself oh, if anything happens I like, don't harm me but here my Here my sons killed. But Judah's there putting himself on the line. Judah is saying, If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. This is also in stark contrast to the Judah that we see back in Genesis thirty seven. There is Judah that says to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. He is our brother. Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. I had brothers growing up. even even then. That was crucial. That was really But after selling his brother into slavery, that could have been the end for Judah. But God still had a part for him to play. He convinced Jacob to let them return to Egypt with Benjamin. And later on in Genesis, we see, as he pleads on Benjamin's behalf in front of Joseph, when Benjamin is being accused of being a thief. And God's purpose for Judah goes beyond the story of Joseph. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, there's a genealogy, a line of descent of Jesus. And who is there in verse 3? Judah. The man who sold his own brother into slavery has a place in the line of descent of Jesus. He had a tribe named after him. And Jesus would be known as the Lion of Judah. He made a mistake. He made lots of mistakes. But God was not finished with him. He was not bound by his mistakes. He was not held captive by them. And if we had time this morning, we could look at that genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. And we could go through that person by person. And we could think about the mistakes that they have made. But they are still there in the line of descent of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not bound by your mistakes. Jesus wants to set you free. Disclaimer, don't take this to mean that our mistakes have no consequences. When Judah and his brothers decided to sell Joseph into slavery, he became a slave. When Jacob decided to show favoritism towards his sons, he spread distrust, anger, hurt, heartbreak, One commentary I read said that, in insisting that God sovereignly controls human affairs, Genesis does not deny people full moral responsibility for their deeds. The mistakes made throughout the story of Joseph led to misery, grief, anguish, mistrust, slavery, imprisonment. And I'm not gonna stand here this morning and tell you that your mistakes have no consequences. For one thing, your own experience would tell you not to believe me. Nor am I going to say that by becoming a Christian, you will never make a mistake again in your life. But, when it comes to making mistakes, the key part is reconciliation. There might be people that you need to go and apologize to. A relationship that needs to be fixed with somebody in your life. Judah, we'll see later on in the story of Joseph, needed to be reconciled to Joseph along with the other brothers. Maybe God is putting some, somebody or something or a situation upon your heart that needs some reconciliation but you also need to be reconciled to God and he wants you to come to him he doesn't want you to try and fix that mistake on your own he wants you to come to him in his book Are You Following Jesus Um, an American minister called uh, David Platt, which I'm pretty sure is also an English footballer, but it is not an English footballer, it is the mechanistic, says, faith is the realization that God's pleasure in you will never be be based upon your performance for him. Instead, God's pleasure in you will always be based upon Christ's performance for you. There is nothing that we can do To earn our salvation. Yet there is not a mistake you have made. That disqualifies you. From salvation through the love and the work of Jesus Christ. And it is in the knowledge of that. That God wants you to come to him. When you make a mistake. And you're stuck in a cycle of mistakes. Jesus came to live the life that we could not live. That is a life without sin. And to die the death that we as sinners deserve to die. And Platt says later in his book when you come to Jesus, he not only forgives you of your sin, but he also fills you with his spirit. And it is in that power that the cycle of mistakes can be broken. Made a mistake, God is not done with you. Stuck in a cycle of mistakes. God is not done with you. He wants you to be free, to come to Jesus and to let him fill you with his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this passage that we've been able to look at this morning. Thank you for your word that is a living word that instructs us, guides us, Reveals you to us. Thank you for these examples that we're able to look at. These examples of imperfect people. People that make mistakes. But are still used by you for your glory. For your purpose. For your kingdom. Father God. For any body that's sitting here. This morning, feeling crushed by the weight of their mistakes. I pray that you would just come into that situation now. That you would just lift that off of them. That they would bring those to you. Maybe some of us need to admit that we're making that mistake again and again and again. Maybe some people here are feeling like they can't admit to a mistake that they're making. That the shame is just too much. Father God, I pray that those people would know that it's a place of love. This is a place where your spirit lives, where there's freedom. Father God, help us to feel unbound from our mistakes. Break the power of sin and of shame. Mistakes that we've made. Father God, I thank you for Jesus and for the work that he did on that cross that we are able to come to you without having to earn anything without having to fix anything before we can do that pray for anybody here that doesn't know that that you would just be sending your Holy Spirit now to prompt them to want to know Jesus to be in a relationship with him Next we pray. Amen.